On today's episode of Taylor Made, we are going over season three, episodes one through three of Friday Night Lights. So if you're not caught up to that point, you might want to pause this podcast right now. Go find a streaming service or purchase these episodes on whatever device, watch them, and then come back here so that you know what we're talking about and are not spoiled of what's about to be uh, discussed over the next hour. So that's always really good for podcasts. But with that said, we appreciate you all for making us a part of your day. Taylor Made, a Friday Night Lights podcast, is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you have the Apple Podcast app, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and review it gets the word out about the show, helps us tremendously. So, all that said, I'm Joe Bettner, and it is time for the two-minute drill, which I really recently re- realized that I don't ever really explain. I think I just assume you know that I'm just about to recap what's about to happen in the episodes. So, for the next two minutes or so, I'm going to recap <laughs> what's about to happen in the episodes. And once again, if you're not caught up, uh, there's uh, some spoilers ahead over the next hour. And obviously, you want to know what we're talking about and not be super confused. So anyway, I'm rambling at this point. Here is the two-minute drill. Season three, episode one. I knew you when. It's a new year. Summer has passed and Smash Williams no longer is headed to Whitmore. An injury derailed Smash's college plans. And now you must tackle what's next. Tammy Taylor is the principal of Dylan High, where she finds plenty of enemies. A romance has sparked between Lila and Tim, although its long-term sustainability is quite questionable. Plus, there is a new kid in town, J.D. McCoy, heralded as the next Jason Street, or at least that's what his father, Joe McCoy, believes. Moving on to episode two, Tammy Knows Best. Tyra is trying her best to get into the University of Texas, and she enlists strippers to help her win a student government campaign as an attempt to further her cause toward that. So that's a bold a bold move. Tammy and Buddy, Garrity, are butting heads over a Jumbotron, which Buddy is happy to pay for, but Tammy's school needs essential things like chalk and teachers, which Dylan High is lacking very much at the moment. Smash is still struggling with his future, and Coach Eric Taylor is doing his best to get him back on track, Meanwhile, Matt Saracen is trying to become an emancipated minor so that he can take care of his grandmother. He must take a trek to Oklahoma, however, to get his estranged mother to sign off on it. Finally, in episode three, How the Other Half Lives, tensions are high at the Taylor home with the Big Panther barbecue on the way. The McCoys are happy to take it off their hands and create more problems for Eric and Tammy. Matt and Julie seem to be friendly again, while Lila and Tim struggle to navigate their relationship. Plus, Smash has a breakthrough with his college plans, and they aren't far from home. So, now that we have that out of the way, let's turn it over to Coach Taylor and Matt Saracen. You gonna be able to call the plays? Yes, sir. 22 rocket on hit. 22. 22 rocket. I can't hear you. 22! I can't 20. hear you! 22! 22! Listen to me, you're QB1 of the Dillon Panthers. Your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts, you understand me? 22! 22 Rocket! Hit it, hit. What's your name? Matt Saracen! What's your play? QB1! 
Who do you play for, Saracen? Yellow How much do you want this? I want How it, much coach. do you want this? I want it. Then take it. Do it again. Fight for crossbow. Oops, 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 oops. I'm cutting up. Panther Nation, it is time to turn on the projector, pull up a folding chair, and go over the game film. It is for Downs, Spencer, Season 3, Episodes 1 through 3. Let's go. Joe, it was immediately a lot better, right? Like, it was, it was very obvious that this situation has improved in, in a lot of different ways. Um, I, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to dive into the four downs here like we normally do, but I just want – I feel like we need to address the fact that, like, the Friday Night Lights writers or whoever came in for season three just decided to like empty out their playbook in the first five minutes of season three based on what they probably would have done to end season two, like smash tears his ACL. Tammy becomes principal uh, Landry and Tyra have broken up. Uh, Tim and Lila are back together. Like they just kind of fast forwarded through the parts of season two that they didn't get to make. Um, and, and I think we've arrived in, in a better spot than we would have been if we would have had to have watched uh, you know, the rest of season two. They definitely, I mean, with this season, it's shorter than the first two. And I think that the writers didn't see the value in just picking up where they left off. And I actually liked the way that they went about it as far as getting into these storylines and we never got to see play out. I do still want to see where the whole Mo situation would have went. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't see we me. don't see Mo again here. Uh, we also don't have, see Jason Street in this in this. That's true. First block, which is I was gonna say, I not that I'm gonna start writing Friday Night Lights fan fiction, but if I were, <laughs> my my theory as to a way they could have used Mo is that somehow like Mo being from Dylan, he like helps Tammy get the principal job, um, just because he's a big mover and shaker, and would have maybe helped sway the school board yeah. in the right direction. And maybe like we get like a good, like we get like a, a redemption arc for Mo. Th this would have been, you know, this, this series Friday Night Lights would be is prime for just like thousands of, of fan fiction ideas, right? Like, like buddy is so predictable. Coach Taylor's pretty predictable, but like you can also just bring in, there's no shortage of, of elements from the outside world that you could bring in or, you know, from the world of Texas high school football that you could bring in and apply to these characters and just kind of play around with that. I, I think that's a, an Instagram or a TikTok account waiting to happen. You know? I think we should get in on it before the market is flooded. So I'm <laughs> on this 15 year old show, you think the market may be flooded at any moment. <laughs> I think at any point with, peacock's uprising of the streaming industry sure, sure that this show could be the next big thing but i do i mean the one thing that uh, really i think would have been amazing is if like season finale of season two like there's the it would have been great to have like jd mccoy introduced like as yeah as like their mood like I just imagine this like end scene of season two, like there's moving trucks and like Matt's like, what, what, what are those moving trucks? Yeah. Um, and then like the next day, like he meets JD and like, we just start this whole like saga of like their kind <laughs> of rivalry. 
So I, I, I love that idea. I wish it would have happened, but the way that, so let's go ahead and dive into the four downs here. That's a great transition. Professional podcasting move by your part. Our first down <laughs> is uh, JD McCoy slash, um, you know, his, his dad getting involved and even his mom a little bit. And we're, we're also, we're going to loop in, bear with us here. We're going to loop in this Tammy scoreboard situation, uh, which, you know, we, you know, we have to talk about that because that's a, that's a mess and a half, but uh, let's start off with JD McCoy. Um, I just thought about this while we were recording. I have other notes down, I promise, but I, I want to float this out to you. I feel like this is a, like a, like a ball family situation here where Lonzo ball is like this good, obviously a good prospect but then his dad just like talks and talks and talks and talks and talks because we for as much as jd mccoy hangs over the first three episodes of season three we hear him say one line of dialogue like in net he doesn't say any he says one line when matt and julie are making fun of his trophy room at the barbecue and it was a funny it was kind of a funny joke he actually was pretty likable and handled it pretty well um I, I hate I hate Julie for like being like wow that was awkward like you guys made it awkward yeah you could have said something like I mean I can understand Matt just not really wanting to you know he wants to pretend that JD McCoy does not exist I do think it adds but. to the myth that is JD McCoy in a little bit of a sense it reminds me a little bit of like college football players to an extent when you know there's a high profile like freshman and obviously freshmen at most college programs aren't allowed to to talk to the media and so it makes it all the more kind of mysterious when they do get out on the field because you have literally no clue about any of this guy only what you've been told that he's a five-star prospect and obviously this is at the high school level but yeah. I think it adds to the mystique that we don't hear much from him yeah I mean it, and part of that is because I mean and the, the dad says it as much when he tries to bribe coach Taylor with the uh the alcohol and the and the Cuban cigars but he's like look I moved from Dallas to play for you, essentially, a good quarterback coach. But we see that part of it where, like, he just kind of shows up on campus, right? Like, and this dad's like, look, I'm going to – I'm bringing my son here to play for you because you turned Matt Saracen into the same results that you could have gotten out of Jason Street. Like, you turned this 5'9", 160-pound kid into a state title-winning quarterback, and I want my son to be elevated even above that because he does have the tools, um, which is – fine my question is why does everybody want this kid to start as a freshman like why what's the hurry here it's not like he's going to go to the nfl after his redshirt sophomore season like he's playing four years of high school like there's plenty of time to get on college radar starting as a sophomore and he's coming in behind a two-year starting incumbent who has a state title under his belt why would they have ever thought that he was going to start as a freshman at Dillon? yeah i have no clue as to what goes on between the politics of Texas high school football boosters, I would imagine this isn't that far-fetched. I don't want to name names, but I mean, <laughs> this type of stuff goes on in Oklahoma and I can assure you that I've heard stories about uh, parents. I won't say mother or father uh, specifically, but parents basically not threatening coaches, but like, telling coaches if my boy doesn't play then he's going to find a new school but aren't they like juniors at that point no i mean this this starts from this starts from like the freshman level Man. maybe even earlier in some cases i don't know but god i god bless your soul for covering high school football joe this I, isn't I from 
this isn't from covering high school football, so I want to make it abundantly clear this has nothing to do with the coverage area. This is uh, just growing up in this state, and uh, I'll enough. leave it at that. Fair enough. But I, I do think it is odd that they are really pushing for it um, this hard, especially – and I, I, I guess I kind of liken it back to um, the Smash Williams situation just as far as when he, like, didn't want to – from a college perspective, he didn't like you thought like going to Alabama would have been a bad idea or would have would have been a bad idea because he would have been like had to wait his turn to start. Yeah. And I'm like, but I I feel like at the high school level, man, like you're 15, like you he obviously is really good. They romanticize his first touchdown pass in the just the weird not weird, but just like yeah, they are trying to make you feel emotions about that spiral. Yeah, and uh, you can pass, and he just looks like he's having fun out there. Like he just wants—he's not pouting that he's not playing, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't—I didn't pick up on that. I mean, it really—I mean, I was gonna say like I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I mean, obviously, you know, for JD McCoy, he's not always gonna be this nice little kid. No, no, um, no, no, no. And I mean, he is a fresh. He's a you know for lack of a better term, he's a wide-eyed freshman who is just trying to find his way at a new school in a new town. He doesn't know anybody. Yeah. And it would probably be good if Matt, which, I mean, I guess like the one thing that I kind of got the sense from before, like pre street injury is I don't think that Jason street and Matt Saracen had a good relationship. No. Well, I mean, Matt was two or three years younger. Well, and JD is, I'm I'm just saying like being in the quarterback room, like you, you see street start to try to mentor him post injury. Yeah. And it would be nice, I guess, if, if Saracen had more of a foundation of like, what's it like to be a leader? What's it like to be a mentor? And maybe yeah. this is avoided. Is, is Matt Saracen a nice person? Cause I feel like he has the rap of like, just kind of like a soft spoken, nice, solid guy, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> What's the take? Is Matt Saracen actually a dick? Like, I mean, maybe he just is like so insecure um, that he just can't be. He just can't be nice to JD McCoy because he like he just sees him as such a threat. But I don't know. Like, it seems like he should just be nice about this. Like you he kind of so. he was a douche with Lauren. He broke up with Lauren. Like there, there's other evidence here where he could have been nicer. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think to expand on that take, which is a spicy one, um, I think Matt, at his core, is a nice person. I do think he's very mad at the world in a very teen angsty way. I would agree so with that. Yeah. I think it's probably his judgment as far as like how he's treating J.D. McCoy is probably clouded a little bit and probably a little bit misguided. So he's kind of, he's the person that like does rude things in high school and then re- actually regrets it later. I think that Matt, when he's like 30, 35 years old, I think he'll, well, I don't know. He still might hate JD, but I could see him being like, maybe I could, maybe, maybe if I, I would have done been nicer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he would have went down a different path. Maybe the, maybe the whole, you know, we'll get to whatever happens later in a, in future episodes, but maybe all of that could have been avoided if he just would have been nice to him and laughed at his diaper joke in the trophy room. 
which as you mentioned is a good joke it was pretty i laughed i was like <laughs> oh i forgot about that like he was like that was a legitimately funny like you know kind of took the air out of the room kind of thing i mean it, it was it was smart to do that something like say something like that it's like a giant shine to jd Oh my gosh, look at this one. It's from 1999. That would make him six. Yeah. <laughs> Seems a little extreme. Why do you put all his participation trophies up in here? <laughs> Even the fat kids get these. Uh, hey, man. Sorry, we're just... You know, uh, they actually, uh, Bond's my first diaper. It's kind of, you know, I can show it to you if you want to see it. It's, it's, it's in the garage. Oh man, Joe, where do you, where do we want to go from here? I mean, there's more, um, I guess we can go to the, we can go to the Arnett Mead game. Um, Dylan's never beaten Arnett Mead. Jason Street never even beat Arnett Mead. Matt Harrison almost beat Arnett Mead. In fact, I, I think that if instant replay had existed, you know, maybe the ball, get, maybe the ball did cross the line. Um, it's kind of crazy is that I feel like in these high school situations that the refs would have just been like, yeah, he scored. Like it definitely yeah. crossed the plane. Like, I feel like that they wouldn't. Their first instinct would have been like, "No, yeah, it was out." I hated so th- again. Saracen just gets murdered this whole game, playing the game of his life basically, just standing in the pocket, taking brutal hits. He's running for the game-winning touchdown. His time is expires, and he gets drilled and fumbles the ball at the one-inch line, and then he just like plops in a pile of his own sadness in the end zone as the other team is celebrating, and nobody goes to pick him up. Nobody's like, hey, man, great game. Like, you gave it your all. Keep your head up. Like, everybody's like, oh, man, I guess if the coach had started the freshman, they would have won. Like, that's I mean, what like, people reaction were, was. Were there audible boos from the crowd? I felt I like I heard audible maybe. boos. I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I think people were just sad. I don't I, know. I, don't know. I was going to say, I think this kind of goes back to his lack of mentoring of J.D., I just don't think Matt is a good leader. and No, he's not. He doesn't have the locker room. He's not a quarterback type. No. He, like he, he doesn't have a loud voice. Like, you know, I mean, he just – he's not expressive. See, this is where, like – so I thought the, the one thing I really had a gripe with the starting sequ- sequence of the first episode of the season was – this weird thing that like Matt and Tim aren't getting along. I which, know that I didn't quite understand that either. We just went from them drinking at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, yeah, to not not having good chemistry. And that really hasn't like paid off in any way to this point, other than just like coaches like you two get it, to, you know, figure it out, whatever. It would, um, but we don't just, know why. Yeah, I was just gonna say it just would have been a nice moment if like Tim is like the first one to like run out and like go pick Matt up. Yeah. Like, that would have been cool. That's obviously Tim's responsibility as like the actual leader of the team. Which I like Tim, I think, does have a much more like a much bigger voice yes. as far as like the locker room goes. Yes, especially with Smash gone. Um but we're gonna talk about Timmy Riggins because he, you know, kind of a switch has been flipped with Tim Riggins, I think. Um but do you want to you you wanna well let's talk about this Tammy scoreboard thing kind of how that intertwines with the McCoys. Um, Tammy, she, she screwed up, Joe. Um, Buddy, in the first episode, hands her a check. What do you think the check was worth? They never said. What does what a 30-foot jumbotron cost in 2007? 
See, that's the thing is I feel like the technology isn't as good, so it's definitely overpriced. Is it like 50 grand? It was a lot of zeros. A lot of zeros. I, I'm, I'm going to say for the purposes of this podcast, let's call it 50 grand. I'm going to Google this for the sake of the podcast. Okay. While you're Googling, I will, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to vamp here. Um, Tammy essentially then, steals this money from Buddy because she's now the principal. Yeah. And I, she, I don't understand that. She needs, I guess like they don't have chalk. So she's like, let me take this scoreboard money and you know, that the boosters gave and I, I can legally re reallocate this. Um, it's just kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of how private donations work. Right. Like, you yeah, know, <laughs> I, I, know. I have a, I have big issues with, I mean, and they obviously like the writers and a, I, I think I say this a lot, but sometimes I'm just like, can you not in a lazy way explain a decision? And like, I, it felt like a lazy way of just being like, Oh, well in the bylaws, the principal ultimately has, yeah the, you know the final decision on where the money goes and i'm like i don't think that would even be true anyways <laughs> no but like it's just it, it's a matter of you know this is your first like big big decision as principal and you're going up against like the most important people and i know like like it, it's kind of a difficult thing as far as like yeah like there should be money don't like there should be more yeah. money funneling into the academic side of things but you like I feel like if I've learned anything from TV shows about like leadership is like you like agree to the first thing that you're offered and you try to make it happen. And then you parlay that into something that you want. You, yeah. you, you give first, you take later. You say, all right, buddy, sure. We can, uh, you know, we can do something where you got, you guys give us $50,000 for a scoreboard. We'll build you that scoreboard, but we need $5,000 for chalk and pencils first. So can you tack, just tack that onto the end of it and then or just like kind of make know, it happen? Uh, yeah. I was going to say like, I was going to say like, just cut a deal with him. Like, Hey, um, can we do a fundraiser at Garrity Motors or something? Yeah. Can you, <laughs> can you find a troubled youth that you can put in a pig pen? Like, help us out here. <laughs> oh my God. Where is Santiago, by the way? Where'd he go? He's Was he a senior? Not, he's he's not living at Buddy's anymore, I guess. Yeah, Lila's there now. What? Wh and where are Lila's siblings? Are they in California with the tree hugger, as Buddy would call him? <laughs> you know, honestly, there's probably a timeline where this show becomes really big with like a, a certain demographic of the country <laughs> that like watch this show in a very different light than we watch it <laughs> that are just like that like buddy's the hero of the show buddy's the <laughs> are we sure he's not i don't i mean i'm kidding of course but um, um by the way the scoreboard uh you were pretty close i an article from 2018 there uh, can be very costly in some instances as much as $40,000. Okay. So yeah, 40, I mean, 50. So just tack on another five or 10, buddy. That's, it's just a tax. It's just a school tax. We can't have a 30 foot scoreboard and no chalk. Like that's just, that's not a school anymore. So like, and buddy can, buddy should be able to understand that. He should be able to say, all right, you know, he doesn't have to tell everybody that the scoreboard only costs 40 grand. He'd be like, look, I just need five grand more, you know? five or 10 more and then everybody's happy but i mean you're not hiring a new teacher for that but you can like yeah. fix your air conditioning system maybe um i don't know it seems like this this is a simpler situation and that the mayor would have not gotten involved um mayor odell is probably like next to joe mccoy is one of my least favorite characters of the entire series 
can we talk about how absolutely powerless the mayor of a small Texas town is? Like, yeah, I, I don't there's understand. no way that like they, they bring her, this woman in. What's her name again? Odell. Odell. Yeah. Like she is just this power broker and buddy's like, I solved it. Like I got her in here. You're going to lose the mayor of a town that small, you know, I was in, uh, I think at one point a few years ago, the mayor of Muskogee, Oklahoma, which I think is probably about similar in size to Dillon, Texas, was like a college student. Like, <laughs> like there's not, you know, the qualifications for, for these small town mayor, you know, is, is not super high. I think part of it, though, is that she's a booster. I think That's she's, like, I think she's yeah. big into the booster club is the thing. That would make more sense um or at least some sense because like the like you're not going to get rich being the mayor of dillon texas like she does other things um i would think i i hope so because i know that like mayor salaries aren't great but so so this is where these storylines intertwine right like the mccoys the scoreboard thing um tammy taylor is at the grocery store and she meets jd mccoy's mom who just absolutely plays tammy like a fiddle right like she's like oh you're having a hard time planning your party let me take your party and coach taylor in their argument afterwards just completely correctly calls her out for it and says um you know basically says you got played i think he literally said those words and also said that whenever he had told her earlier in the episode that next year they could have the party somewhere else he admitted that he admitted that he was pretty much just telling her what she wanted to hear which is so funny. Old move. <laughs> so Even if you're not a if you're not a married guy, that's a that's a you should know that's a bold move. That is, man, not something that I would try in in uh, in year two here. Um, <laughs> that is a year that is a year twelve or higher move from Coach Taylor um, to try to pull that off. But uh, yeah, and so I mean, Tammy ends up winning this power struggle with Coach Taylor, and they're having the party at their house. And um, I mean, Coach Taylor kind of pays for it. He basically gets cornered in this billiards room, right, with um, Buddy, McCoy's dad, and McCoy's quarterback coach, who are all like, "You should run the spread." And he's like, "Your kid hit puberty three weeks ago. I'm not going to do that." <laughs> I was going to say the the line about like let's like wait till his what does he specifically say like he he says uh most of these kids hit puberty five years ago yours hit it one about a month ago as far as i can tell yeah
I'm going to go ahead and say this real quick because I just want to get it out of the way because we've been talking about it. I just want to know, what do you think about the spread? Real simple. I, th I think what he's trying to say is we wish you would yeah, well, it's just It's so awkward, man. I, mean, I was gonna say, going to say, as far as Katie now. McCoy you know, goes, you, right you can just see the offense. evil in her eyes. That's, yeah. that's an evil so woman. Um, and I don't think that we're ready I mean, to install there are some, that. obviously, some dynamic to the McCoy family that is very much Wait, more I, complex I than what we like that we know right what now being paid, but, I'm not but as far as our rewatch so purposes go really we obviously have more information but um for this instance though just, just it's admit, such look, a is it's a such an evil and just but also arm. like diabolical great move and like she gets away with it obviously and i feel like if anything like i feel so bad for coach taylor and like he's just like he's just trying to get a win somewhere and he eventually gets one most kids out there and we'll talk about that later on in the episode but as far as i can tell it's a it's just it just feels like so so cliche like high school football politics of just like you know, then I my boy's going to play like he needs to be put in. He needs to be getting reps. The thing that's just kind of like gross, the, probably the grossest thing to me is, and obviously, like, I think that, you know, Joe McCoy, the only reason they're in Dylan is because he thinks that Eric Taylor can do uh, for JD what he's done for a few quarterbacks. Yep. And the, the grossest thing is like, like Joe McCoy is like smiling as Matt Saracen is on the ground, like, Oh, losing, yeah. They were so happy like, that they lost that. How heartless are you? This is a yeah. kid. Yeah. This is a child. Is yeah. this who we are? Yeah. Like, what is this? Just brutal. But, I mean, by the same token, uh, I, I want to, you know, fair is fair. Whenever J.D. McCoy came in as the backup in that blowout and threw those touchdown passes, Grandma Saracen was pissed. Was she? She. They showed her – they showed a shot of her while everybody else was celebrating, and she was just deadpan. Uh, you're on mute, Bo. Yeah, just I hate when you start talking and it says you're muted. Like it just calls you out on Zoom, <laughs> just like, "Hey, buddy, you idiot." Um, but uh, I, I was gonna say, isn't she always deadpan? Like I feel like no, she, she cheers for mad at the games. She does, but I feel like I'm not saying she's emotionless. I just feel like she's um, she's much more stoic than I think most characters. That's probably fair, but I think the intent was to show that she knew that it was trouble. I was going to say, the, the, I guess the hard thing for me to wrap my brain around is that she knows that, like, JD, that she would have the, I guess, like, the the knowledge that, and I, maybe, like, Matt's complained about it or something at home, but, like, yeah. I just don't feel like she would know the storylines of the, of the team. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and, that's, this is a good transition into, into second down here, which is about the Saracens, uh, Matt in particular, but also Grandma. Um, oh, boy, where, where do we want to start here? I mean, I, I guess we, we just talked about the whole dynamic with Saracen trying to keep his job with J.D. McCoy breathing down his neck. Um, but then, you know, as it is always the case, Matt has his struggles on the field, but the struggles that he faces off the field are always more difficult, whether they're um, circumstances that he has been thrust into by the universe or circumstances of his own making. Um, both of those, you know, come into, come into play for Saracen quite often. And something that is obviously not his fault at all um, is that his grandma is, is declining in health. Um, her dementia is getting worse. She's no longer able to care for herself um, because she will not, you know, take her medicine, her blood, her blood pressure medicine, I guess, um, because she says it dries out her skin. 
And so he's given a few options by her doctor and by an attorney, basically um, either track down his dad and get him to care for her or put her in a home. And Matt deems that those are not options. Um, So what he ends up deciding to do is take Landry Clark's car in the middle of the night and drive to, I believe his mom lives in Oklahoma. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So he's driving to Oklahoma um, to get his mom's signature so that he can become an emancipated minor. I want to know the odds of that car that Landry drives breaks down. I I think it's a non-zero chance that it would have, it's a non-zero chance it would have broken down on the, on the highway. Like it's, but I mean, anyway, Matt's had enough car troubles. Uh, so thankfully they avoid that there, but yeah, this is a, not a good situation. And the whole, like, I could, I was going to say, like, I have my timelines mixed up a little bit. Cause I was like, I couldn't remember if we've already met the mother, but like, she obviously hasn't seen Matt yeah. in a long, long time. She was uh, referenced um, because he was going to have to go live with her mom at one point or live with his mom at one point because the dad was like, I have to go to the army or, you know, that was something in season one that, you know, was on the table. Um, and so she was referenced, but it was, it was interesting to meet her. She seemed like pretty stable, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, she's living, living a simple life out in yeah. rural Oklahoma, like I mean, nothing far, too big. A little bit better than like Tim Riggins' dad. <laughs> a lot better but i mean the bar is low there yeah i just mean you know as far as parents that are not around in this in the series that then reappear later um she seemed concerned and i don't know i don't want to give her too much credit because obviously uh saracen uh didn't really have any love for her or respect or what you know she he just wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible um and so yeah he becomes an emancipated minor um which it's a little bit unclear why, like, why he couldn't slip her the pills and her food without that. Like, couldn't he just like, like she has, I guess he couldn't get the prescription filled at all. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's because she, like, he can't go pick up her medicine for her and she's not going to go pick it up herself. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was funny when he was talking to the, the attorney and he was like, you can become her guardian. And he's like, I'm 17. She's my guardian. <laughs> and he was like oh okay <laughs> you're right i i still don't understand how we go from a situation where an in-home nurse like carlotta is a possibility and now it's just like this isn't an option anymore <laughs> yeah and it's it was never explained why carlotta was not replaced um i don't know that's that's a great question i mean maybe they're in their insurance isn't i mean i would assume that they're under like like his dad's insurance what i'm I'm assuming yeah decent insurance um but i i just don't understand what would have changed um as far as like the ability to do that uh honorable of matt not wanting to like put uh grandma Terrison like in a home so yeah there's that but at the same time like the kid is sinking and uh, uh this is just uh not good news but good stuff's on the way yeah i mean as this is all happening um julie julie taylor our favorite character joe's favorite character um re-enters the picture here and uh starts starts flirting with matt again i would rather matt date gene (laughs) 
Are you serious? Come on. Yeah, I I hate Julie. She's she's literally the worst. She was the whole switcheroo thing that she did with uh, wanting to take the easy AP teacher, while highly relatable, um, was is a pretty rough thing. Especially when your mom is the principal. Like, how do you not think that? Like, how do you think you're not going to, you know, get in trouble for this? Like, obviously, it can just be switched. Your mom is literally in charge. I think her worst offense of the block was when Matt is behind Applebee's and she tells him, would this be a bad time to tell you that Grandma Sarah oh my gosh. is yelling at a lot? I was like, this kid does not need an anxiety attack right now. That's not funny. You want, yeah, just, just keep the dementia jokes coming, Julie. That'll make you more likable. Good Lord. I had I that just, written down as well. That was just that was, unforgivable. That was rough. Um. I guess is that it? I mean, I feel like we're, I feel like that's a little bit of an abrupt ending on the I mean, on the Saracen part of it. Um, but for the moment, I, th- I think you know, I think that covers it. Unless you have something I mean, else. No, I was gonna say like it's it's nice that you know, I so obviously I hate Julie, but I, I do think it's it's good that Matt has like some type of like confidant and yeah. like and has someone to you know, has that relationship again, which, uh, you know, obviously his relationship with Landry is much different. You would think that Landry would be there for him a lot more, but he's got a lot going on himself. Yeah. Uh, so they, he can't, I, yeah. he can't be season one Landry where like season one Landry's like literally babysitting grandma Saracen while Matt's out on a date. Landry. I feel like Landry and Matt have not had a good conversation in a while. Like, really, all of season two and then even in this block, all those conversations are, like, short, like, really short and just kind of, like, rude and just kind of, like, banter back and forth about, like, why the, why you're being an idiot. And then one of them just gets up and leaves, and that's that's their friendship. Like and he <laughs> leaves behind his tacos, which look awful. Yeah, um, I mean, it look like cafeteria tacos. <laughs> but then love- returns for them and is upset that Julia is sitting in front of them like they're, like they're hers. <laughs> I uh yeah no I mean it's it, I I like I like where we kind of leave off with Matt because he's um after the after the obviously the Arnett Mead game like things that, I mean that's just a crushing thing like if you put yourself in the shoes yeah. of like um a Dylan Panther fan I guess and to witness that loss that would be gut wrenching yeah um so uh, hopefully more th- more good things are to come uh but with matt saracen it just seems like it's one bad thing after another at times yep it definitely tends to snowball for him uh but hopefully good things are on the way i I think i think we're both optimistic um speaking of good things i don't know that i actually believe that but it was just the transition that made the most sense in my head um riggins and lila are back together What, what, what do we make of this show i think they deserve each other i i'm i'm okay with the relationship I'm very fine with it. Like, that is such a hot take. Um, I think that they are perfect for each other and that they should just be together and call it a day. I know you so. don't like Lila, but Riggins does not deserve Lila. Lila is like on time and competent and like fairly consistent with just like day to day. Like she's an awful person, clearly, based on her previous decisions and she has apparently abandoned um, her religion, um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, like, 
there <laughs> there was that uh what was it was it billy that said like you're like saying like tim is uh her rebound from jesus yeah <laughs> something like that um and just like i don't know like is tim better than billy i would say no i mean and billy is marrying mindy I, I was gonna say like I, I think tim still has time to not be as bad as billy like he's still so young. It's possible. I don't know. I, I do want to talk about Tim Riggins here more so than just their relationship because this is the block where the, you know, for the first two seasons, all we did on this podcast was talk about why everybody loves Tim Riggins so much, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he, he does rep- one reprehensible thing after the other. He's done very little that's redeemable other than like babysitting Bo Miller twice. Like there's very little to like here. This is the season. This is the pivot point where Tim Riggins becomes likable. Like he becomes, he becomes more humble in the first three episodes of season three. When at any point in time over the last two seasons, would you have thought that Riggins would ask smash for dating advice or even Billy for that matter? I mean, yeah, the the whole smash rig. I mean, but also like smash is in a very humbling place right now. Yeah, but they're I mean, the, they weren't really all that close to begin with. In fact, I know, they but were, they're yeah. they're on a much like more level ground right now. Yeah, um, and that's that's fair. And you know, they're both a little bit more mature. But I just feel like we saw a more sympathetic Tim Riggins in these first three episodes in in a few different ways. I mean, he's we got to talk about this dinner at the McCoy house, right? Like, um, he didn't really want to go. Lila convinces him to go. Um, buys him a blazer i think everything would have been fine and then buddy just obliterates him what i mean what what do you what what did you make of that i mean i I think that if you asked buddy um if he could pick between joe mccoy um angela collette and his ex-wife that he would probably pick joe mccoy um and he is in love with that man uh which he's very much like in trying to i mean like tim is very much in his head as far as the whole lunch or dinner thing goes um and i think things probably would have went fine like i think just buddy like really wigged him out and um but i mean he obviously like he came in with like he did his research he's going to talk about brian bosworth brian bosworth reference in friday night lights former sooner joe mccoy uh ou's apparently recruiting tim riggins uh <laughs> so it's weird uh you know uh <laughs> world Quick aside co- here where where does tim riggins like what is his ou comp like he's probably a fullback right he's not tall enough to be a tight end He's not really explosive enough of an athlete to be like a defensive lineman or anything or, you know, pass rusher. So he's got to be a fullback, right? He's definitely like only in like one, he's, he's a special teams veteran and he's like in a jumbo package where he's the lead blocker. He's like short Carson Meyer. I can see that. Yeah. He's like, he's like a, he's a less built Aaron Ripkowski. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, I think that's a good comp. Yeah. Aaron Ripkowski. He's like, slow Trey Millard maybe like just you know some sort of a essentially a walk-on fullback type that maybe gets to see some action at some point I, I always thought that like Tim Riggins was the quintessential Kansas State player that like he goes to yeah. San Antonio Tech or whatever it is for a year or two and then he transfers into K-State 
I, I completely buy that. A nice little Bill Snyder Juco project. Oh yeah. Big yeah. Time. Yeah. I can see that. Um, Joe, did you know what squab was before this episode? Cause I did not. I did only because of TV. Um, Other TV shows have mentioned squab. Yes. There's a, there's a huge or not a huge bit, but it's like an episode uh, of two and a half men, which I will admit that I watched when I was a kid. I do not watch it anymore but it is not aged well at all. <laughs> it actually, I mean, it's pretty funny. I mean, there, yeah, I'm sure there are jokes. It in is there. not aged well. I do. Um, rest in peace, Bertha. I believe the actress that played her passed away recently. But. Rest in peace, Bertha. But no, there's a whole bit with uh, the little kid, Jake. <laughs> I, I don't know the actor's name. But anyway, there's a, there's a whole bit about Squab that I remember. And that makes immedi- sense. Immediately, I was just like, was this like an, like a late 2000s? thing where like a tv show like the fanciest thing you could get with squab we should explain what squab is um it's baby pigeon and tim riggins ordered it raw (laughs) i can't i can't imagine man and this is after he basically like right before they order they're asking him questions about playing running back or halfback and he just like doesn't answer he just totally chokes And, like, that is another thing that, like, I don't think season one or two Riggins would have done. Like, I don't know that he – I don't think he threw this lunch on purpose. Like, I don't think he, like, said, screw buddy, I'm going to trash this. Like, I think he just choked. I I don't want to completely walk back my sentiment that Tim Riggins and Lila deserve each other. But I think, in a way, Tim, almost like Tyra Collette, has some very like not that he threw the lunch intentionally but i think he doesn't see much better for his life than what he already has yeah um and he can i think he gets the sense like i am not as i mean i think he feels that like he is not as as good as these people yeah um which he like you know screw the mccoys i mean Uh, that sentiment comes up with again with lila whenever they're hanging out at it's unclear whose house they were at because like everybody just kind of left i'm not exactly sure who was hosting that little get together with tyra tyra's mom uh mindy and then billy and tim those are the riggins house those are the riggins okay well then at one point like billy and tim at one point go into the front yard and lila i guess somehow insulted uh mindy's Something to do with Mindy's wedding vows or something. Well, her her wedding vows uh, are um, taken from the movie Finding Nemo, which, which I could not I, believe this. Finding Nemo came out in two thousand three, like it had been out for a minute even before this happened, before the show came out. Um, but there, and then they're just talking so much trash to Lila about like, oh, it's not good enough for. I guess we're not good enough to be Garrity's, and it's like, yo. Tyra's mom literally wrecked Lila's life. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's, there, there's definitely, there needs to be something addressed about the fact that uh, Angela Colette had an affair with Buddy. Uh, yeah. Because I think that most of this probably is, I mean, it's probably not great on Lila's part to assume it was a joke. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's some like, underlying things to that that probably ignited it or took it took it a step farther than it probably should have went yeah i I think that's probably fair um but like why would you have finding nemo quotes in your wedding vows i don't know (laughs) you know spencer 
just let people do what just, makes them happy. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I guess it's cute. I don't know. I can't talk. We, my wife and I just did like the standard generic vows. So I, we, I can't really talk, but um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I've totally lost my train of thought. We got way, not way off topic. Cause we're still talking about uh, Riggins and Lila. Well, um, I was going to say, while we're kind of on the, the topic of the Colette aspect of this, what do you make of Billy uh, proposing to Mindy at Seven Senoritas Cantina? This this is a couple that deserves each other. This is what a couple <laughs> that deserves each other looks like. Well, I, I misappropriated that take. It should have went there. It should have went to Billy and Mindy. And I love that Tyra has like this scared straight moment right afterwards and like runs over to Tammy Taylor's house and like has basically said he's gonna she's gonna have two of billy riggins' kids they're gonna get divorced and then she's gonna spend the rest of her life chasing down uh child support payments from billy and tammy you mean from tim no 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 tyra said this is what my sister is about to have to do gotcha never mind and she was like I, I need something else, like anything else. <laughs> like help me do any, literally anything besides following what my mom and sister have done. Uh, and I don't know. I just thought it was a, a funny moment that like Tyra is consistently the only person in this show. And we're going to talk about her as an extra point. Um, but she's the consistently the only person in the show that has like self-awareness. Like she's made mistakes. She made a big mistake in this episode with the stripper thing. But guess what? It worked. It worked. She won. Can't falter. Can't she, falter. It worked. She is the only one. She has more self-awareness in this show than anybody else. And I don't think it's even close. I feel like there's almost everyone in this cast just gets in the way of themselves, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Coach Taylor probably would be a nominee for having some self, uh, you know, self-awareness as well. But he just gets so much feedback from everybody, you know, Tammy, Julie, Buddy, like Mac McGill, like everybody's always telling him what to do. And so I think his judgment gets clouded at times. Um, and yeah, I mean, everybody in the show, and I think it's consistent with real life, you just tend to create problems for yourself to solve in some respects, whether you mean to or not. Um, and Tyra's problems are mostly not of her own making. And she typically does a good job of trying to get out of them. Um, but so we'll, you I mean, know, we'll, obviously we'll like her freshman year, she put herself on a pretty, she put herself, you know, pretty much behind. That's going to yeah. be really tough to catch up to. There's the scene with Landry where she's like, uh, where she's like, what would I need to get a 3.5 GPA? And he's like, you would need to get a 6.7 GPA this year. <laughs> so that might be hard, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I was going to say Landry's deadpan, just like explanations of stuff is a very underrated part of the show. I mean, they need to give Jesse Plemons more to do. He was not, that's the thing. If he's not going to be Matt Saracen's best friend and he's not going to be Tyler's boyfriend, then like, what is he, what is he doing? I was going to say like, we, there's really no, like everyone's kind of their own person and which is good. But like, I mean, there, I sometimes feel like, maybe the show doesn't do a good enough job of like complimenting all of its characters with each other. Like at least like making, I'm not, I'm not saying like make Landry Matt sidekick because yeah. Matt is not, <laughs> he's not big enough of personality to like really be a hero of an yeah. episode, um, which 
he has his moments but i'm just saying like you definitely like i at least as me and i I, I'm, I agree with you like they need to give jesse Clements more to do as far as like i don't know like being matt's best friend would be a yeah. great thing yeah or dating tyra i think would be fine or dating somebody else i don't know have him date the new girl that comes into school that's not gene um i don't know but um okay i think that oh well no there's one big thing that we haven't talked about with riggins um billy convinces tim to steal a bunch of copper wire um and tim does it and it, it they succeed despite having dogs run by them um it, it seems to work out fine I, I do have a question of the timeline here, right? Because like while he's doing this is when the party at the McCoys is going on and then there's the game. So let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's go through the timeline here. Um, the party starts at daytime. We know this because coach Taylor and Tam, we see them pull up during the middle of the day and refuse valet service, which is pretty funny. Um, kind of a petty move on coach Taylor's part. And then Riggins and Billy are stealing this copy, co uh, copper wire at night. And the party takes place at night. But then I guess later that night, after it's gotten dark, is Riggins is playing in this game. It's not like he missed the game to steal the copper wire because he, ca he catches a pass. Probably could have done some better research on this because I'm not clear on it either. Was this Thursday night, the Thursday night before the game? I think that's why I thought – so here's the last element of this is the last one of the last scenes of episode three after the game is Tim then going to the Garrity house to say, sorry. And it really seems like all of this happened in one night because he's apologizing for blowing her off at the party. But wouldn't he have done that like before, after the game, you know, before now, if that was the case, I feel like the party was on the same day as the game i am not sure it i was super I, confusing i would i have a hard time believing that these two events would be on the same day i don't think coach taylor would want like his guys at like 4 p.m eating a bunch of ribs and then going out and playing a football game maybe that's the answer maybe the party was thursday night and that's when they stole the stuff and then tim just didn't apologize until after the game on friday night I think that's probably fair. But, like, wouldn't they have seen each other at school the next day? I don't know. It just, well, I mean, she could have avoided him. I suppose so. But it just seems like that's something that they would have wanted to clear the air on earlier. Um, this show sucks at timelines. They, it really fair. does. Um, it's also unclear. It's, it's pretty clear at, at some point that Saracen did not get Landry's car back to him the next, by the next morning because he drives to Oklahoma at night meets with his mom during the day and then is still in Landry's car at night again when he's when like he gives Julia a ride home from work yeah that was the other thing I was like man Matt really uh undersold how long he would need that car for yeah I mean that car was not back the next morning as promised um I don't know these are just nitpicks you know small things that just feel like they could have been solved easier uh, you know, this is why we need the showrunners to come on yeah, the podcast. Come on our podcast, uh, Alec Berg. <laughs> I'm be sure you're not busy. <laughs> Please um, respond to the invitations we haven't sent you to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, are we ready for fourth down? 
as ready as we're ever going to be. It's Smash Williams time, ladies and gentlemen. You may have thought that Smash was not going to be on the show this season because he has graduated, uh, but you would be surely mistaken. Smash plays a pretty big part of all three episodes in this first block. Is waffling back and forth on whether or not to continue football. He's having some mental issues with getting over his knee injury. Um, just, you know, when I say mental issues, I mean just like barriers to having confidence in his knee again as he's going in and out of cuts. Coach Taylor's trying to help him. Um, there's this epic scene in a, that happens in a racquetball court um, where Coach Taylor essentially challenges him and is like, look, your knee is fine, which is – I have a couple, couple notes on this. And I, I, Have you ever played racquetball before? I have not. It looks, it looks intense, though. It's, it, the actual racquetball scenes were fine. My, my pet peeve on it uh, is that when, you're play, when you are in a racquetball court, you cannot hear the other person. Even if the ball is not like being hit, like it, unless you were standing right next to the person, the acoustics in there are are horrific. So I'm I, I don't know if they like audio dubbed it over. I have no idea how they accomplished that because it looked like it was a real racquetball court. Um, but I don't know. And the other thing is that it is actually a pretty effective way I would think to test your knee because you do do you know lots of cutting and and you know changing directions and things like that. Um, but smash, I, I've I've been. Well, let, let, I'm, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. We're not done with the storyline yet, but I've been rambling long enough. What, what, what's your take on the Smash thing to this point? I mean, I feel like, so as, as I mentioned to you, like it, it's kind of odd, and this is just maybe me reaching to an extent, but from the minute we re, reintroduced to Smash in the season, I thought I noticed his voice be a little different, and it, almost in a way, um, I don't know if this was just like a acting choice by Gaius Charles or what it was but at the very beginning I think we get this you know very humbled former high school football player and I think that voice that comes out is Brian and he even says as much like I'm no longer smash I'm Brian when he's back on the field and he's like trying that voice that like that infliction in his voice comes out again yeah Um, when he quits on coach Taylor like the first time I feel like I hear that like very humbled like i am brian voice again and then it comes back once he's like you know i'm going to texas Mm a&m so i don't know if that's a reach or not but that's just how i feel about it um the one thing that like is kind of a not strange but like when he's offered a promotion within alamo uh freeze I, I'm a little surprised that his mother wasn't like, yeah, that's a great job. You should, <laughs> you should take that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know like what the future of Alamo freeze is now. Like, but I mean, a regional manager job straight out of high school is I would think pretty good. I mean, he said it was a $10,000 raise. So he's going to be on salary plus a company car and benefits like you know, if you think you can make it to the NFL, you should probably still go do that because Alamo Freeze will probably still be there if you don't make it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was a, a good offer, I would think, for, for a kid straight out of high school um, to be a regional manager in charge of a bunch of different stores. I mean, if Alamo Freeze takes off as a franchise, you know, as a company, you're looking at a, a corporate job at some point, you know, as an exec at some point if you keep climbing the ladder. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say like I mean, <laughs> I, I jokingly uh, 
tell Alyssa all the time, like, because back when I was in the process of like looking for jobs and stuff like that, like I would see something from like Panda Express and it would be like $50,000 to be like a, uh, a manager. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like, that sounds, I'm sorry, babe, but I'm serving low <laughs> main and we're <laughs> doing this. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a, it's not a, it's not the most glamorous thing in the world. Not what Smash Williams ever thought was his life was going to be like. But I mean, you know, Eric kind of go. Eric in a way also kind of goes back and forth with like, do I want to help this kid? <laughs> um, and he's just like he. I think he's struggling with like, you know, I I'm no longer his coach. Like, how much do I keep, continue to invest in like yeah. getting this kid to the next level? Um, and I'm glad that he keeps pushing because he could have very well been like, you know what, I got to respect his decision and let him do what he wants to do. But yeah, obviously, uh, Eric does not quit. (laughs) No, he doesn't. And I mean, shout out, by the way, to to Karuna Williams, who is willing to pick up a second job to try to send smash to A&M as a walk on, um, which I don't know, even in the mid 2000s is probably not like there's probably some other financial aid at play here, I would think. Um, yeah, um, probably. I, I don't know. We don't have to litigate that, but I mean, just shout again, shout out to Karina Williams. Um, great mom, a great, queen you know. if there ever was one. And yeah, like you said, I mean, basically says, no, you're not going to work a real job. I'm going to work two real jobs while you try to make this thing work. Um, so shout out to her. Also one, one more thing. We, we kind of glossed over the fact that smash, Smash ended season two on this high note of beginning to go to this HBCU. What was it called again? The Whitmore. fake HB Whitmore. Those that school would not have pulled in real life would probably not have pulled Smash's scholarship, right? Probably not. I mean, they they explained in the show that they were like, when you when you're ready, like there's a spot for you at Whitmore. The thing. Yeah, like um, Smash explains like that, like they told him that when like when he's good to go that he can re-enroll but not on scholarship his he he says later that his scholarship's gone yeah they they took away i I think his i think smash's concern was that like he's gonna lose a year and in this situation it seems like he's going to be joining texas a&m like in the middle of their season yeah which i don't know how often that happens but i don't think very often and i I guess from a a numbers game yeah, go ahead. I was going to say from a numbers game, I mean, like you can never have enough like tackling dummies, which I know is an awful way to characterize walk-ons, but that's essentially what they are. Well, but Smash um, is like a high I, – I feel like Smash was a high-end three-star, maybe even a four-star. He's definitely <laughs> five-star heart, three-star talent. <laughs> well, I mean, but I, Alabama, Oklahoma were interested in him. Like he was, he was not just any old three-star. I, uh, he was probably a borderline four-star guy before the I, knee injury. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that he just didn't end up at Texas Tech. Like when Eric Taylor's like, he's got Texas over, Tech written all over. Got to, I was like, <laughs> man, that sounds like he sucks. <laughs> oh Texas Tech doesn't use the running backs coach. <laughs> what would so actually he would have played for Lincoln Riley theoretically. This is like mid, this, this is, alternate universe. This is like 2000. Like Lincoln Riley was attacking what like 07. Is that right? Man, if we could have got like a Mike Leach cameo, like coaching uh, Smash Bowl <laughs> games, that would have been I, – I, I think I would cry. 
from cinematic masterpiece that would have been that would have been high-end content um so this leaves off right with with smash um smashing his, his mom essentially tells him no you're going to a and and he's like okay uh so that that's kind of the end of it for now we'll see what actually ends up happening um i think i think that that's the end of our four downs we do have um and we talked about tyra i mean tyra uh basically just butts heads with the new vice principal for this part of the episode who's just an absolute piece of work He's a nightmare. He's just, he's, he's awful. I mean, he's consistent with my experience with vice principals, um, but he's, he's, he's a total nightmare. Um, I also hate vice principals. So, and I mean, Tammy, to be fair, or not Tammy, Tyra, to be fair, did bring strippers into the quad of Dillon High School, which is, which is an L. Um, but as we mentioned, she, you know, this whole thing was because she was like, look, don't doubt me. I want, you know, I'm going to do every extracurricular I can so that I can go to an actual college and not Dylan tech and get out of this hell hole. Um, and I guess we should talk about the, the scene where Tyra is, I guess they're all giving speeches based on why you should vote for me for vice president. And she's like, look, if you let this other girl, what was her name? Was it Jen? Whatever her name was. It doesn't matter. Her other opponent. If you let her plan your prom, you're not going to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> which is apparently an argument that everybody was sympathetic toward and they elected Tyra. Bush I mean, president. it's a fair point um, to an extent because like, this is literally what Stuco kids do is that they plan dances. This is a question for Tyra. Can you explain for those of us who are concerned about your lack of experience, how you could turn this into a positive when acting as liaison between the students and the faculty? Wow. That was a long question. I don't think I remember half of it. No, seriously, y'all. I mean, what this entire election really boils down to is who you want planning your prom. And one thing I can tell you is that nobody here is getting laid if you let Ginny here have our prom in the gym. Okay? Tyra has proved... If we're just being completely honest, though... Tyra has a good track record of throwing good parties. She does. She's she's profited off of such parties. She threw Pantherama last year. She threw that one party with Billy where they made a bunch of money Which, at a bonfire. What was the point of that? Uh, who, who knows, Joe? I mean, maybe that's a lost season two storyline that we'll just, we're never going to get the cap on. But um, like it, Riggins Riggs. Oh, which, maybe, uh, oh, spoiler maybe. alert. I was, <laughs> if you don't know what Riggins Riggs is, you it's all it's on all the friday night lights merch but i just imagine like riggins riggs becomes like a front for like an underground like club or something like that <laughs> i mean maybe the the point is that like tyra says in the episode i would be really good at business i'm like legitimately good at math and maybe that you know continuing to let her do things like that is is just more support not that she needed math to teach a bunch of high school kids to dance without the shirts on but you know, it all helps salesmanship or saleswomanship. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought Tyra did fine this episode. It was, it was a bit of a, a, a peak and a valley episode for Tyra or a block, I should say. Um, but she's I, I th- definitely I th- struggling with the whole, uh, the whole G- GPA thing for sure. She knows where she wants to get to, but she has no freaking clue how to get there. I think is the way that I would summarize it. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Sorry, I muted my mic again. And <laughs> I'm a 70-year-old man. Sorry. Um, I would say that, like, she doesn't know how she went to get there. One, because, like, nobody else in her life has ever gotten out of Dylan. So she has no example of how to do it. And then also her, I guess, 1.9 GPA her freshman year is holding her back to the point that she probably can't um, or can't buy – you know, taking normal avenues that people would get, that people would take to get out of Dylan. Um, but I think, I think that puts a bow on it, Joe. You have anything else to add before we do awards? Um, I was just going to say, I really hope that, and I don't think that we do, unfortunately, but it would be nice if uh, we could, it, honestly, so here's, here's one thing. And I know that like Tyra wants to get in on her like academic merit. But it would be cool if, like, we see her turn into, like, a like a college-level volleyball player, um, which, like, I think it's probably too late for yeah. such a evolution. But imagine, like, the story. Like, I mean, I feel like this happens in a lot of uh, – this happens from time to time. You get, like, a player that's just like, this guy didn't start playing football until he was 17 years old. Now he's the starting quarterback for Florida State. Patrick Mahomes is that. He didn't start playing quarterback till he was a junior in high school. Now he's made $500 million. There you go. I just imagine like a, just like a small paper is just like Tyra Collette was 16 when she started playing volleyball. Now she's headed to UT. That is the key, right? Like Tyra's way out is getting like a partial rowing scholarship that she qualifies for at like at OU or somewhere else, right? Like – I uh I, I could buy the rowing thing. I, 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 I could buy the rowing thing for sure. I uh I'm not really sure what I I mean she obviously but the thing is she obviously wants to go to like a good school. Yeah, you know. Which I'm not saying OU isn't, but she I don't wants know to that, like I don't know that she like I think she, like North Texas is probably a good enough school where she's like, Yeah, I made it. I think that's probably fair. I think like if she can get to from Dylan to Denton, I think that that would be a big W at this point. Um nothing wrong with Dylan Tech though what a joke that vice principal does not pass the vibe check um at all <laughs> i see you've been watching tiktoks i have been man just all over those tiktok comments um uh who's your lvp joe um i don't think she's the lvp but we do have to give honorable mention to tammy as lvp oh, she, she, she's my lvp is she yeah she just stole fifty thousand dollars and then screwed over her husband for the biggest event of the year well i mean what what else do you want like <laughs> personally I, I mean really personally i like i want to give it to buddy garrity um this is probably from a more emotional place than anything <laughs> i could see that because he was terrible to tim and is sort of just like being rude to Lila. Yeah, I, 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 I would. I don't. I don't hate it giving it to Buddy. I, I think it's just like from a standpoint that like we, Buddy was like so pro the Taylor family, and the Taylor family has been so good to him. Yeah. And now that there's this, you know, the the stud of duds or stud of suds, yeah. um, is in town. Big beer distributor Joe McCoy. <laughs> um that's just like his biggest priority i just think it's such a weird turn for him what's funny is that like um buddy and the taylors both both feel like they're just like always doing the other person a favor 
just like by existing. Like Buddy definitely doesn't see his relationship as, oh, the Taylors have been so good to me, even though they have outside of football or whatever. But like I'm sure Buddy looks at Coach Taylor's 68-degree, you know, office. You know, the Tammy noted how cool it felt in there and says like, well, that's only because of me. Like <laughs> I okay, the way that this is such a weird thing, but I don't know why it just when Ta- uh, when Eric Taylor's just like just how I like it. Just how I like it. <laughs> I just like the his like the the kind of the wholesome, the it just pure, it's just like this innocence that's just like that's just not how I like it's it just here. What I just like I just like it to be, you know, cold as ice in here. It's okay. Which oh man, I'm I'm a sixty eight guy. What? Like, it, it's not good on the electric bill but oh my god my electric bill last month was absurd and i keep it on like 73 so i can't imagine it's uh it's, it's way electric- hotter in oklahoma than it is in kansas city too it's been mid eight we've been riding in the mid 80s out here yeah you northerners man ask me how i'm feeling in december <laughs> we at least have like whataburger to get us through the days that's true although i had shake shack today and that it's not Whataburger, but it's it's fine. It's good enough. Food. You guys, it's good uh, enough. do you have Culver's up there? Um, is it, is it, I know that's kind of like a more up north thing, but I think I've seen a sign for a Culver's. Yeah, but not in like the uh, not. I, I live in kind of like a midtown area, and there's not one close to us. But I I do think that I remember seeing a sign out in the suburbs at one point. Um, but I know. Don't, this... don't hold me to that. I know this probably makes me basic, but you're also around a bunch of uh, Kansas City Joes. Um, sure are. I have that's been to a, a couple. That's a that's a big selling point for me. So you, uh, we'll get you up here. We'll we'll take you out to Joes. Actually, there's there's even some better barbecue spots, believe it or not. Oh, I, I well, I've been to the OG uh, Kansas City Joes, and uh, there there are definitely much better barbecue places. But um, once again, it's an I, experience. Admittedly, am basic. So. It is an experience to get the Z-Man and sit, you know, out. You got to, you got to wait in line for like an hour and a half in the, in the uh, gas station parking lot part of the the center, and then go in and get the Z-Man. It's, it's a great time. Show. Um, all right, I'm going. I'm, I'm sticking with Tammy for LVP, but I don't fault you for going with Buddy. Um, Matt Harrison overthinking award. It probably goes to Riggins, right, for ordering the squab. Oh yeah, but I mean, th- this is a runaway favorite. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of anything else um, that would qualify. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's Riggins ordering the squab, and again, because I don't think he was like intentionally th- like trying to trash this brunch. Like, yeah. I just I just think he he screwed he panicked and whatever. Um, pop culture reference: We already talked about both of them. Um, Bosworth got mentioned, and Finding Nemo got mentioned. Uh, do you have anything else? No, I actually, I didn't even put two and two together for the Finding Nemo reference or with like, I didn't really have a pop culture reference, but yeah, the Finding Nemo thing I think works pretty well. Uh, Bad football logic. We don't always have one for this, but uh, wanting to replace a state champion quarterback after two wins with a freshman. That is some bad football logic Um, by everybody. uh, Like why? I'm sure Coach Taylor's looking around like, what am I crazy here? Like I've got a state champion quarterback who's been here for three years and you just brought a 15-year-old kid into my office. Like, he can play – he's this kid, if he's that great, he's going to play for me for the next three years. That's plenty of time. Um, so yeah, like, the, yeah. The, this isn't so much, like, football, like, on the field, but, like, 
Joe McCoy not having the self-awareness to like maybe run it by coach Taylor that he's going to bring a smoothie truck to, to practice. Yeah. I think like most people would like have the, I know he's not most people, but like you would think he would know the culture to know the temperature of the room that maybe I should run that by the head coach first. Yeah. Um, Insult of the week. This was kind of a sneaky one. We have not talked about this scene yet, but it's a great scene towards the end of episode three where Coach Taylor says, you know who I miss? The coach's wife. And Tammy just ice cold right back to him goes, you know who I can't wait to meet? The principal's husband. Just ice cold in Tammy Taylor's veins. And Eric just looks at her and goes, touche. Just can't just can't do anything about that um I feel is this like kind of a it, i mean i think we get it like a little bit in season one when uh eric's kind of exploring uh tmu and tammy's like you know kind of putting her foot down but like this is the first time really since then we've really seen like tammy stick up for like what she wants as far as like career family trajectory stuff like that maybe i feel like tammy's always been pretty strong-willed though I feel like, well, as far as like bigger moments, like, or yeah. like, like th- this feels like one of them. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's definitely pointing out the fact that like, you want me to just support you, you know, no strings attached, but you won't do that for me necessarily. So, um, and coach Taylor, I think is sympathetic to that. Um, but that was just a great, just icy, icy insult from Tammy. Um, did you have another insult? I, uh, admittedly folks do not have my notes in front of me. So that's the only one I can think of. That's a great, a great thing to drop 70 minutes into the podcast. (laughs) If you thought, Hey, Joe's a little bit off his game today. There's a reason. (laughs) Uh, never have a work computer. And if you do have a work computer, work in Google docs so that you can access them anywhere. Um, I'm a nerd and I won't get into this, but I have like a, a, I have a special little word processing app that I purchased on the, mac what? app store that i love i know it's what? weird what? It, what? What? i'll explain it to you off air but yeah I, I yeah it's it, it's 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 probably the nerdiest part about me so oh my god okay um imagine paying for google docs that's <laughs> my take on there, that. <laughs> um i deserve my- i deserve this <laughs> monologue of the week uh i've got uh coach taylor um with the billiard scene that we talked about earlier um they're not not a whole lot of great options for this Um, i mean there's the smash scene um which i don't know if it's you can really the coach taylor racquetball scene yeah yeah that's another good one too um and so i i definitely think we we have the right choice already listed because i don't really think this probably counts but as ludicrous as it was billy's proposal oh is is amazing needs honorable mention as far as just like a great speech that's not well developed but it's funny uh amazing uh he's drunk they're all drunk everybody's drunk and you can see i love how they pan around um the room whenever this is happening and the look on landry's face is just like this is tremendous content. I can't believe that I'm lucky enough to witness this. <laughs> this is tremendous content. <laughs> What's the, oh, man, was it, uh, was it Darren Ravel? Yeah, yeah, like? talking about the debates, yeah. I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. 
<laughs> that is what Landry's face looked like uh, as as Tyra's sister is getting engaged. Just brilliant. <laughs> bunch of white people that can't dance and need to lose a lot of weight. My future, Landry. Right there, right in front of me. I'm going to become my sister, then my mama. But I don't think I'd be any different, you know? Stop, stop, stop. 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 Stop, and, you know, when we started dating, I, I saw a future for you and me here, here, here in Denver, Texas. I see you and me having like three or four little Mindy's and Billy's running around, maybe, maybe less. But uh, I humble myself here at Seven Senoritas Cantina, and, and I ask you, will, you, will you marry me? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? Uh, Joe, who's who's the MVP? I feel like we're going to disagree here. I'm, my my choice is coming out of left field. I don't know if this is weird or not. I don't think it's weird at all. I, I think it's Smash. Okay. Which, which like I I when you said out of left field, I was like I feel like mine's kind of out of left field. Um, but he's he's been humbled through this whole process, and. He's obviously become a competent Alamo Freeze employee, which was not the case when he started out. No. <laughs> but he's very clearly, he's got his, like, his mojo back. Um, he's, you know, got a walk-on offer to go to Texas A&M. And I was uh, kind of hesitant. I was like, do I give that W to Eric Taylor? Um, yeah. I was like, but at, at, at the end of the day, it comes down to smash his talent. Um, and some, if there's, if there's any family right now at the end of this block that is happy, it is the Williams family. All right. Um, I'm switching gears. You're, you're right. It's Smash. Smash is the MVP. Um, but I want to make the argument for Tim. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is out of left field. So Tim in this episode screws up numerous times and still ends up with Lila, which is – while we can say they deserve each other, Lila is probably the best girl that Tim will ever have the opportunity to have a long-term relationship with. Uh, oh, okay. Long ter- yeah, long-term. Yeah, yeah. long-term relationship. Like, it's never going to get better for, for Tim than Lila. And, like, even though he keeps screwing up, she keeps taking him back, which is a W. Um, he steals this copper wire and fulfills his, uh, you know, brotherly pact with um, Billy, which is not good. But they don't get caught, which is better than getting caught. Tim, Tim, as, <laughs> as I don't think anyone is surprised, is really good at stealing stuff as he lays out, like, why would you take that road? Yeah. You should take this road. <laughs> I, I mean, Billy is just uh, really the LVP of this episode could have been Billy. Um, we probably should have, you know, because he guilts Tim and all this. He proposes to Mindy for no reason after five weeks of dating or five months, whatever it was. Um, and he just like, yeah, guilts Tim into doing this, jeopardizing Tim's entire future a week after he gets this Oklahoma offer or the letter of interest, whatever, um, which is just a horrible thing to do to your brother. But 
I don't know, Tim kind of comes out okay. Like he orders the squab, which is an L, but it's also kind of, it's going to be a funny story if everything works out, right? Like That's everybody great. can kind of laugh about it at their wedding, you know, if it, if, if it gets that far. Um, so nothing too terribly bad has happened yet. Um, and he's also the star of the f- actual football because he's the new running back, which is not really realistic because, um, you know, they're not, he's not fast like smash, but I guess he's, I don't know, good enough to just run downhill. I was going to say he's way too, I mean, this is like, he's way too slow. There's, yeah. he, he's too physical. I, I think I would, uh, I think I might enjoy it like a little bit more if like a, if Tim was like a the star linebacker of the team. Yeah. Because um, that would make a lot more sense to me, which yeah. I think he plays a little bit of defense. Like he tackles smash. Like he put like he switches sides like during the uh, the like yeah. the pickup football game, which is a weird sentence to say because how often do you see like just a bunch of guys getting their pads on to like yeah. you know play uh play live like do do like live a live scrimmage with for the sake of helping one player get get better i feel like the show should have introduced an, another skill position player at this point even just like on a surface level like you know the big lineman with the red hair yeah like we know who that guy is right like there should have been okay. a skill position player uh that the, the audience has that level of familiarity with like, it's not – like, we don't know what that kid's name is, but we know that he plays offensive line because if they have, like, the backup running back or something for Smash that just, like, people have a casual familiarity with, then they don't have to do this whole thing where Riggins is switching positions that would never happen in real life. Um, yeah, the the show really, until it's forced to, because obviously these kids are going to graduate. Um, I don't think that's spoiling anything, and there's two more – There's you know, we have, like, two and a half more seasons to go they got to introduce some new characters and so well, and that's I think, coming obviously yeah so they i think they do a good job with it later on i think they're just kind of i don't know if it's just like a reluctancy at this point to introduce too many new people but like yeah it would be not, like we don't know any of saracen's receivers honestly not a single I, one i feel like every you could probably make the argument that every receiving touchdown that's caught on the show is from a different receiver um which these games aren't high scoring by any means. Yeah. It's usually like 25 to 24 yeah. <laughs> and it's never, never a shootout, but uh, yeah, it would be, it would, it would be nice for yeah. sure. Something that aged well before we sign off here is Texas offenses in the mid two thousands going to the spread that aged very well. Okay. So thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's one of the drawbacks. <laughs> I'm not having my notes cause I wrote this down and I remembered it now. What team is installing the spread in one week's time? It doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, why, it's just... why? Why is there this huge call for Eric to go to a spread for one week? That's it not. What, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you can't do like because I was yeah. thinking about um, this. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but like uh, I was trying to like, and, and I'm I'm self admittedly I'm not a huge X's and O's guy. He didn't play football at a high level, but I was like, I'm sure there are maybe are some offenses that you probably could install within a matter of a few weeks to, and like, not that it would be perfect, but you could play it. You could, yeah. ex- you could perform it. Um, and it might work. It might not. Um, so and like, I always thought like, 
the the like the triple option the flex bone i'm like how hard you know would it be like other than just like kind of memorizing new plays like how hard would it be and like it's been explained to me like the the triple option offense is like so complex yeah and the spread offense is also pretty complex there is a reason uh why you know lincoln riley's herald heralded as a genius um because like he runs this offense as efficiently as humanly possible um so just that that was thing that was a thing that arced me quite a bit about this block it's definitely uh you know it's not going away i don't think i don't think the calls for the spread are going away but it's just um, for for this per like for these like for these guys um that obviously like joe mccoy played college football yeah and he thinks jd is on track to play college football and go to a high level like they sound like facebook commenters that you know probably in, in you know the the late 2000s that followed the texas longhorns are like you know they should really switch it up yeah <laughs> um and like go to a spread offense uh for the for the ou game yeah um, none of this ground and pound um but it just doesn't work like that yeah sorry this it, it is, does uh, not um Joe, you want to you want to wrap us up here? I think I, th- I think we're done. I think we're done with episode well, fifty-three. You got me riled up now. I got you riled up, and now we're ju- we're just gonna end it cold turkey. Um, but we got uh, we're gonna have episodes four through six of season three coming to you next weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, we appreciate you hanging with us for this long. We certainly do. We appreciate you for making us a part of your day. Taylor made a Friday Night Lights podcast. It is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you use the Apple podcast app, if you could just leave us a five-star rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated. It helps get the word out about the show and it keeps the lights on for me and Spencer. It actually doesn't, but the lights are going to be on regardless. They're going to be on. They're, they're <laughs> definitely going to be on. Um, so anyway, no, but we really do appreciate you guys. And uh, uh, thank you for getting uh, through this. Thank you for getting through season two with us. And we're on to a much, much better season. Um, things get things look up from here. So uh, with that said, uh, for Spencer Davis, my name is Joe Bettner. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose.